So, Mike, I want to start out this week's podcast with a little bit of news because there was some breaking news today. The news is that Sony has acquired Housemark. For those who don't know who Housemark is, they made Returnal most recently. And before that, um, I believe... Resogun? Yeah, Resogun is one of them. Um, I don't have the other games with me. I think Dead Nation was another one. They made that? Oh, I didn't know that. Wait, 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 wait a second. So if they made Dead Nation, did they make Helldivers? Because I thought that was the same developer who made both those games. No, they didn't make Helldivers. Um, I can't remember who made Helldivers, but... Uh... Well, let me look that up real quick. Here we go. Straight to Google. Right out, right out of the gate. This is what happens when you don't do the research. Helldivers was made by Arrowhead Game Studios. Hell, while I'm at it, I may as well look up Housemark as well to see all the other games they've done. Uh, yeah, Dead Nation 2010. Um, Super Stardust Delta for PlayStation Vita. Uh, Resogun. Alien Nation. Uh, next Machina. This is all Housemark, correct? Yeah, all Housemark. Matterfall, and then Returnal, like I said, is the most recent. Oh, Matterfall. I, I played that. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and they, they've been around since 1996, actually. They, uh, they made some games called Super Stardust and Alien Incident for Microsoft DOS. Which is Whoa. like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, and I take that back. They were around since 93 under a different name. They originally were Bloodhouse, and then they changed their name to Terramark and made, like, one game. And then finally in 96, they changed it to Housemark, so. Now, I'm wondering if, because uh, you said you thought they made Helldivers. Now, there was, before Returnal, they were slated to make a game called Storm Divers, but that was... Uh, I guess canceled and switched to Returnal. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's a history of Housemark for you. Yeah, but that's awesome that they bought them. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do this years ago. The same thing happened with uh, Insomniac Games. I, for, for many years, I'm just like, Sony, just buy them. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think that's what happens with a lot of these developers. It's the same thing with Xbox and Bethesda. They've had a working relationship for years. So, you know, it's like, it's like any relationship. You you grow close to each other, you get to know each other, and then you finally tie the knot. And yeah, I think that's what happens. So they've been dating for all these years. That's what you're trying to yeah, tell Yeah, they've me. been dating. They've been kind of feeling each other out. and <laughs> So, but yeah, and so another interesting thing, though, is during the announcement today, um, you know, they posted, Sony posted it on their website, you know, all the related Sony accounts around the world and stuff. So PlayStation Japan, when they posted it, they had actually made a mistake and they posted that Sony had acquired Bluepoint games. <laughs> they had the graphic ready and everything and they had to pull it. So now people are like, oh, was well, that confirmation that there's an imminent announcement about them acquiring Bluepoint as well? Someone's getting fired. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, that, that shit happens. Uh, yeah, I think they are going to acquire them. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Bluepoint Games most recently made the Demon's Souls remake. Uh, before that, I think they made the Shadow of Colossus remake. Um, I'm not sure what they did before that. Uncharted remasters. Did they do that? Yeah, one, two, and three, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, those, yeah, that was pretty good too. So they have a working relationship with Sony, and they're they're known for doing remakes, so... The rumor has been that they're working on 
a Metal Gear Solid remake. Now, we know for sure that they are working on two games. Um, we don't know if they're both remakes, but I would assume that they are. So there's also been rumors that they could be doing a uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night remake. Um, who knows, even like Silent Hill, Silent Hill 2. Oh, God. Could you imagine if they can land a Silent Hill or a Castlevania or a Metal Gear Solid remaster on the PlayStation console, only on the PlayStation console? Holy shit. Yeah, that would be huge. That would draw in a lot of people. There's so many starving like Konami fans out there that just, they're not getting fed. You know, Konami is just abusing them and they like to starve them. And I really think that uh, we deserve something, finally. Yeah, Konami doesn't want to make these kind of games anymore. So, you know, why not just give it to somebody else who wants to make it? And then you could just collect the money and you don't have to really do anything. I hope that's what's going on behind the curtains. I hope Konami's just giving their shit to, you know, Sony or whoever. There there has been rumors circulating for a while that Konami has reached out to developers uh, to utilize some of their IP, finally, because nobody wants fucking pachinko machines. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> it's really free money for them. Like, yeah, if they don't is. have to put any work into it, like, why wouldn't you do that? They No, they have so many storied IPs. Like, we've already said, like, three, Metal Gear Solid, Castlevania, Silent Hill. Those are just the big ones. I mean, they got a lot of small ones that have been dormant for many, many years that people want back. Yeah. I mean, they have been releasing like these collections of their old, like they had the Castlevania collection. I think there's even like rumors that another Castlevania collection is coming out. But it's just like, imagine another company, like say, let's Sony, let's just say they were like, you know, their biggest IPs, um, Last of Us, God of War, Horizon, whatever. Imagine if they were just like, nah, we're just going to sit on those and not make any more new games. Instead, we're going to make pachinko machines. How much sense does that make? Telling you right now, if the Metal Gear Solid 1 remaster is happening, remake, I'm sorry, remake. When that comes out, easy 10 million sold. People are going to come from all the neck of the woods who haven't played Metal Gear Solid in ages, and they're going to buy a PS5 to play that shit. Anyway, yeah, moral of the story is Konami, quit being fucking stupid and give us your IPs. Let's move on to our uh, opening here, <laughs> our intro. Uh, yeah, so welcome to the Boundless Gamers podcast. Uh, I'm Jacques, and Mike is here with me, and... Uh, if you want to visit us on the social medias, you can do that at Boundless Gamers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, yeah, we would also appreciate if you would subscribe to us. Just go ahead and smash that subscribe button, as the YouTubers like to say. So yeah, you've heard our cold opening. We were talking about a uh, more current event. So I, I wanted to say that uh, one of our listeners and friend, Indy, had made a suggestion before that we should talk about more current events, you know, news items and things like that. And we pretty much agreed that we're not really interested in that, but we, we talked about it further and I think we've come to some kind of compromise. Uh, I think what we're going to do is occasionally if we find some current event that we're interested in, like we just did with our cold open, we will talk about it in our cold open or, like E3, we can also talk about it as a topic. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense in the cold open section. Yeah. I mean, if, if you guys want the news, you can just throw it in there real quick in the beginning and then we can get on with the show. But like you said, if there's a massive thing going on like E3 or, you know, Microsoft buys Sony or whatever, that can be a topic. Yeah. And I, I do jo- enjoy talking about current events. It's just, I don't want that to be a large portion of the show because it, you know, no. would just be like every other show out there and, and not only that, it can get a little bit like, you know, if you talk about something you don't really care about, but you feel like you have to cover it. Yeah, I, I don't want any of that. So, And not only that, like, it'll make it feel dated very quickly. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not as it's not as evergreen. It's it's a little more dated and we're trying to avoid that as much as possible. So there you go. I hope that makes Indy and some of you happy out there. Uh, but yeah, so um, next on the itinerary why why am i saying itinerary are we going on a trip or something god don't use that word (laughs) oh wait mike there's a car first car of the evening yeah i can hear that that's a loud one okay i think it's gone it's not that loud i've heard louder but um yeah the cars like to come by and say hi while we're recording so that seems to be a recurring thing on this podcast uh, so yeah, um, moving on, I do want to touch on one more thing too, before we move on to what we're playing. So, uh, we had the whole, um, voting thing with our segment share play where you guys got to choose what game we played. And so I have the results right here. The three games were Dead Cells, uh, For the King and Banner Saga. So th- the, the winner is... By a vote of three to two, Dead Cells. Thank Yay. God. <laughs> Thank God. I can say it now. I didn't want to play the other two. I'm sorry, Ashley and Indy. I, 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 <laughs> I didn't want to play those. Actually, I, I already played for the king. It's it's not that bad. I, I was wrong, Jacques. Remember we were talking about it a couple days ago? I said, oh, I played this game and it's absolutely terrible. I was thinking of a completely different game. Not the same game. Oh, okay. But I don't want to play it again because I already played it. I played it uh, while it was on uh, Game Pass a year ago. Played it for like two, three hours, and I was like, "All right, that's that's good enough for me." I've never played Dead Cells, so I was hoping that would win, <laughs> and it did. So thank thank God. As for Banner Saga, yeah, that's just not my kind of game. I uh, I, I don't know, like, because uh, Ashley and Indy were kind of describing what Banner Saga is, and it actually sounds pretty interesting because they said it was like XCOM with Mass Effect decisions. And that does sound cool, but I, I saw what kind of universe it's in, and I'm I, it's that kind of fantasy stuff I don't like. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like high fantasy stuff. Yeah, I, I just can't get into that. Like, The Witcher 3 is a perfect example. That game is amazing. One of the best RPGs ever made. And I couldn't get into it because of the world. Now... Did me and you possibly go behind the scenes and rally votes for Dead Cells because we didn't want to play the other ones and because we found out later that they actually are not free and they cost $25 and we didn't want to pay $25? No comment. No, no, we we, we would never, ever do that. No comment. We we believe in um, the sanctity of democracy, so we would never, I repeat, never do that. But we did say pick a Game Pass game when we first introduced this. Both those games are not on Game Pass. But I was going to make an exception. I was like, all right, well, if one of these win, I'll go buy it. And then I saw the price. I'm like, no, I'm not spending $25 on this. 
Not saying it's not worth $25. I just don't want to fork over the cash just to play that for two hours and not touch it again. Yeah, we did say Game Pass, but we probably did gloss over it, so I don't blame people who uh, might have missed that. But, um, Mike, you know, you saying all that stuff about not wanting to pay money, that's all hypothetical, Mike, because, you know, we believe in democracy. <laughs> that was not a reason at all why we rallied votes hypothetically for Dead Cells. So we will play Dead Cells in July at some point. Um, now that the requirement was we we can play it, we have to play at least two hours. That's it. Now we can play more of that if we like it, but we will talk about that in our what's what we're playing segment sometime in July. So look forward to that. It all lines up. Remember before the podcast, I was saying, you know what? I feel like playing a game on Xbox because I've been playing a lot of PS3 and a lot of PS5. Let me give my Xbox some love. Dead Cells just won this thing. Yeah, there you go. I guess I'm going to be playing Dead Cells next. It's settled. That's it. That's my next game. Then I feel like I have to kind of bump it up too and play it sooner so we can kind of stay close to each other. But we do have the entire month of July. So, you know, we could talk talk about it in the very last episode of the month if we have to. How long is Dead Cells? I don't know. Let me look it up. <laughs> Going back to Google. How long to beat.com. Uh okay, so yeah, it looks like it's eh, roughly 15 hours, 14-15 hours for the main story. Okay, that's not too bad. And main plus extras is like almost 30, so there's a lot of extra shit you can do if you want. Holy crap, it says com- completionist is like 87 hours. But I only have to play 2 hours. So if I don't like it, I can move on to something else. But I have a feeling I'm going to like this one. Yeah, we'll see. This is one I've actually been wanting to play for a while. It's one of those ones where I always am eyeing it every time I go on Game Pass, but I just never clicked on it or downloaded it. So I'm actually kind of happy that we're being forced to play this. So now that the intro is out of the way, uh, let's move on to what we're playing, Mike. So do you want to start us out? Sure. I'll kick it off this time. I'm the one who usually kicks it off anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Honestly, I think like you usually kick off most of our segments because since I'm the host, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm already talking, so I'm gonna stop talking and just throw it. Yeah, over it makes to you. sense. Okay, well, if you follow us on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me holding a copy of Metal Gear Solid Four: Guns of the Patriots. So yeah, I uh, started it a couple days ago, and I beat it in about four days. It took me around 14 hours and 33 minutes. Now, this game takes about 18 to 20 hours on howlongtobeat.com. How many of those hours do you think are cutscene related? Take a guess. I'm going to say eight hours. Nine. Are you kidding me? Nine hours in my 14-hour, 33-minute playthrough. Essentially, you're just watching a movie with like a little bit of cut, uh, gameplay in there. This is where it gets interesting. This game has the Guinness World Record for the longest sequences of cutscenes in a video game, one after another, at a whopping 71 minutes. <laughs> a little bit more. Hold on. The game further holds the world record for the longest individual cutscene, which is clocked in at 24 minutes. That's nuts. I love Kojima, but what the hell was he thinking with Metal Gear Solid 4? 
Did he really think that would fly? Well, apparently it did because people still love the game. It has like a 94 on Metacritic. Fans think it's the best story in the series. I have to agree with them. I thought the story was amazing. Phenomenal. I would hope so. They have Excellent. enough time to tell the story with all those cutscenes. Thank God it's good. Because if it sucked, watching those cutscenes would have been hell. Yeah, that would have been brutal. If anybody's going to have that many cutscenes, though, it would have. It's, it has to be Kojima. Because he, he's like such a fan of film. You know, he, there's always that like joke that he actually just wants to be a filmmaker. It really shows in Metal Gear Solid 4. The cutscenes in this game, mostly the combat scenes, are amazing. I just, I can't put it into words. You just have to experience it yourself. Now, I have another issue with this game. The stealth. The actual stealth mechanics is really cool. They give you a lot of different options, a lot of different ways you can tackle situations, and a lot of cool mechanics and all that. But here's my problem. The stealth, to me, felt very unnecessary. Like, there was many sections of the game where I could just run straight to the door. I was like, why am I going to sneak around all these guys when the door's right over there? I could just run straight there. I just ran straight there, boom, run into the cutscene. I'm like, huh? Like That doesn't make any sense. But there's a lot of sections like that in this game. Now, maybe if I bump the difficulty all the way up, Maybe the AIs are all over the place and that forces you to go 100% stealth. But I didn't feel like I had to go stealth in this game. There was maybe like only a couple times where I really needed to do it. But most of the time, I'm just like, oh, just run over there. Why would I sneak around all these guys and it'll take me 30 minutes when I can just walk over there and it'll take me 60 seconds? Yeah, so the map design is very weird in this game. I wonder if that's intentional, though, because with a lot of other developers, I'd be like, oh, well, that's just poor design. But with Kojima, I could see that being intentional because, you know, he does weird shit and he likes to make you think and really have to make decisions. And another game that kind of reminded me of what you were saying recently is The Last of Us Part Two. There, there were times exactly like that where you could be stealthy. Or you could just literally just run past everybody. Now, they might chase you, but you could literally just run past everybody and get to the the next point. So it's really, you know, just up to you how you want to play it. Now, real quick, I just want to talk about the controls. Um, Now, a lot of you might be thinking, oh, is it like Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 where it's all janky and shit? No, it's not. It feels a little bit more modern, but at the same time, still very dated. But at least the camera doesn't suck ass. The shooting mechanics, they're okay. They're, they're good enough. Um, so that that makes me curious about the old Splinter Cell games because my memory is a little fuzzy with them. Those games really make you do the, all the stealth. Like, there are situations you're not getting past this area unless you do some sneaky, sneaky shit. So I'm curious how the first Splinter Cell game holds up in that apartment. Yeah, I think Phantom Pain actually did this right. You can run and gun and all that stuff, but it's going to be a lot harder in Phantom Pain if you decide to go Rambo. Phantom Pain heavily encourages you to use stealth. I just don't think Metal Gear Solid 4 had that same feeling, which is a shame. I'm sure many people out there are disagreeing with me right now, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, well, I think that could be a positive if you don't really like stealth, too, but you want to play that game, you know, just run past all the enemies. (laughs) 
But I get how that can be annoying for someone like you who loves stealth and you actually want a reason to engage. Oh, there's another car. There's there's like a procession going through here tonight for some reason. It's weird. Yeah, but it's like with the like Hitman. Those games really force you to do stealth. If you do all the stealth, it really rewards you and you get to see a lot of cool shit and do a lot of cool things. You can run a gun in it. You can. I've done it. But it's ten times harder. Oh, yeah. You get shot to shit. And I, I, I've done an entire mission running and gunning through it. It's possible. But it's it's clear the game doesn't want you to do that. But Metal Gear Solid 4, it's just weird. It's just like, eh, nah, nah, just go run over there. So so overall, though, you, you really, really like the game? I love it. I, I mean, it's mostly because of the story and the cutscenes. The combat in these scenes are just amazing. Well shot. Some of the best I've seen in gaming. And it's impressive because the game's 13 years old. I highly recommend it, but do keep in mind you're going to be watching a lot of cutscenes. Like I said, nine hours worth. So if you hate that in games, you may want to stay clear. <laughs> but if you dig that and you don't mind sitting there watching a long ass cutscene, then you're going to enjoy it. I don't think I'll have any issues with that because there's a game, Quantum Break, by Remedy that we both played, and they literally inserted a television show in the game. So, like, you'll play a big section, and then it'll you'll have to watch, like, a 30-minute episode of a TV show that they actually made uh, in conjunction with the game. It has, like, all the same actors playing their roles that they play in the game. It's kind of crazy. I'd never quite seen anything like that, and I actually really dug it. But uh, yeah, not to get on a tangent about Quantum Break, but anyway, you should go play that game, though. I, I It got some hate when it released, but I think it's actually a very good game. Yeah, it's very underrated. I wouldn't put it up there with Alan Wake, but it's still a pretty damn good game, and more people should experience it. All right, so uh, I haven't actually been playing much of anything this week, because it's been one of those weeks where I'm just like, I don't really feel like playing much. Do you want me to go into my second game? Do you have anything? Or? No, no. I mean, I, th I do have like a little bit I can talk about, though. Okay. So, yeah, obviously, I'm still playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, I, I don't really have much more to add right now, so I'll eventually get to that in a future episode. But I actually... Um, so, recently, they came out with a Jedi Fallen Order PS5 update. So, I re-downloaded the game, and I was like, I'm going to check this out. So I played a little bit of that, and I started from the beginning again. You know, I didn't load in my save from the cloud. But yeah, this um, it, it's really, really good. It's uh, the 60 frames is really, really nice. It's smooth. Makes a huge difference. It so does. Just every game I'm playing on PS5 of the 60 frames, I'm just like, how did I ever survive through 30 frames? I've become like a 60 frames elitist. But so this this game has two modes. It has a um I don't know what they call the just basic mode, but it's the mode with like the better graphics, the 4K whatever, which does look fantastic on the PS5. Um so the 60 frames performance mode, I don't know what it actually kicks it down to resolution-wise, but it's not really a huge noticeable difference. Like the game still looks great in with 60 frames. Yeah, I've also been playing it here and there, but I don't I don't have it on my list for, for this episode. But yeah, I, I played the first 20 minutes and yeah, you can definitely see the improvements. 
when you put 60 frames per second on it, yeah, it's night and day. Yeah, the, the especially with a game that's so uh, combat focused, the 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 60 frames is, really comes in handy. And I noticed too that my see, I'm not that great at this game. I, I'm not really good at kind of like Souls games and things like that. But I noticed that my parry timing was actually better with the 60 frames because everything moves more realistically and your your brain just intuitively can time things better. So that's just like little details where you notice where the, the improved frame rate makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I recommend if you um have played this already, go back and try the, the PS5 update. Now you do have to go into the store, I think, and download like a free PS5 upgrade thing. It's weird, but um, yeah, go do that. And if you haven't played this game yet and you have a PS5, like shut off this podcast right now and go play it because it's a fantastic <laughs> game. Probably one of the best Star Wars games I've ever played. And for all you trophy hunters out there, if you uh, transfer your save file over you know, from the PS4 version and uh, you go to one of the uh, save points in the game, all the trophies pop. All of them pop. So if you platinum the the game on PS4, you can get another Platinum on PS5 without really doing anything. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah, you would do that, you Platinum whore. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I think I have 121 Platinums now. I think you got that Platinum big dick energy, huh? Oh, yeah. Swinging it right now. With your My Name is Mayo Platinum, you piece of shit. I looked on PSN Profiles because I'm on there, and I actually have the Platinum... For the Vita version, too. You son of a bitch. All right, well, we're just going to move on from this because I'm disgusted. Uh, so, yeah, Mike, go ahead and just talk about your next game. All right, so I finished Metal Gear Solid 4, and I was like, all right. That was a 15-hour game. I want to play something short. So I looked at my uh, PS3 collection, and I'm like, all right, what am I in the mood for? Like, you know what? I haven't played a first-person shooter in a while. It's like, all right, well... Let's see what I got. So I went through all of them. I'm like, all right, well, I want to pick something I can beat, like, in one day. Like, something really, really short. And that only left one game. It was Homefront. I was like, all right, oh. well, I haven't played this since 2011. I'm like, let's let's put it in there. Powered it up. Got to the menu. Started it. And, uh, yeah, the opening cutscene is still awesome. I think it has a really strong opening. Now, this game w was written by the Red Dawn writer. He, what's his name? He also did uh, Apocalypse Now. I f always forget his name. Yeah, let me look. And we're going back to Google. Um, John, off top of my head, is it like John Milius or something like that? You're asking the wrong person. I can't remember names for the life of me. <laughs> In the past, I've said, oh, this is such an underrated game, man. More people need to play this. Well, about that. I still like it, but yeah, it's not underrated. I think the scores it got back in the day is accurate. There was a lot of 6.5s and 7s. I think it has a 70 on Metacritic, at least for the 360 version. The graphics are pretty dated, and I was looking at some of the uh, user reviews on Metacritic from 2011, and People were saying, oh, the graphics don't really look that great. They said that 10 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine what they look like now. So, yeah, the graphics aren't really that great. The story is it's like Red Dawn, 
but it focuses more on a resistance, like an actual resistance. I'm not talking about like in Red Dawn where, you know, the kids, they gather together and he's like, hey, let, let's stop these guys and grab some guns. No, I meant like an actual resistance that's underground and making plans and trying to figure out, you know, strategies and shit like that, that kind of a resistance. How, how dare you besmirch the Wolverines? <laughs> I love that movie, but it's kind of ridiculous that they were able to take out so many soldiers. Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic movie. The remake is like not as good as the first, but it's still not bad either. It's got Chris Hemsworth in it. And um, so I did look it up. It is John Milius. He wrote it. And um, that makes sense because when I initially saw Homefront, the trailer and stuff, I was like, wow, that seems a lot like Red Dawn. So Yeah, it's Red Dawn, but it focuses more on like an actual real resistance and they're trying to uh get in contact with the US military because they're scattered all over the place. I mean, North Korea didn't completely take over America, but they have a strong foothold on it and they have concentration camps everywhere and So yeah, that's the main part of the story. You're a helicopter pilot that gets rescued by the resistance because they need a pilot to fly a, a chopper at some point. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of crazy shit happens. There's one really messed up scene in this. Actually, there's two, but I won't mention the second one. But the first one is at the very beginning. Yeah, so you're on a bus and, uh, you know, they're bringing you to, I guess, another camp. You're looking out the window and you're seeing all types of terrible shit that, you know, that the the Koreans are doing to American citizens. There's one thing you see that's just so messed up. They kill a mother and a father and they let and they let the six year old son watch it's like what the like it's a really messed up scene yeah that's that's pretty fucked up but i'll leave it at that the story itself is is kind of weak i'm i'm very surprised that you know they got that writer and he kind of just like eh. like it, like it starts off strong and then it kind of just flubs and then how it ends is kind of ridiculous you think there's gonna be like more but nope it's over and the campaign's only four hours so yeah there's that but if you're looking for uh, a new first-person shooter to play, you like Red Dawn, yeah, check it out. It's not an underrated game, like I said in the past. I, I'm not calling it that anymore. But I still think you should check it out. It's not overwhelming or underwhelming. It's just whelming. <laughs> My uh, Young Justice fans will appreciate that one out there. Anyway, uh yeah, so I think I probably will check this out eventually, since it's, you said it's short, and I've been curious about it for a while, and I like Red Dawn. I think if it's ever on Game Pass or like a plus game or something like that, I think I'll probably check it out. Don't play the second game. Oh, there's a sequel. It has like a 40-something on Metacritic. I played it the the day it came out. I actually rented it. I think I had Gamefly at the time, yeah, and they, they sent it to me the day it released. Whew. Yeah. Played three hours of that, and I sent it back. <laughs> that bad, huh? Yeah, it, it's not a four-hour game. It's actually a very long game. They made it more of open world, <laughs> and it is so glitchy and unplayable. At least when I was playing it, it was almost unplayable. The frames per second would go all the way down to like five. I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm guessing John Milius didn't write that one. No. All right, well, there you go. So I I don't really have any more games that I'm playing, but I did want to mention some stuff. Uh, So you know that PSN mid-year sale is going on right now. It actually, it ends uh, July 7th, which should be the Wednesday after this releases. So 
Uh, but I did pick up a couple games off of there because I have an addiction where I just have to go on and buy cheap games, <laughs> even if I know I might not play them. I just like to build up my library and I can't pass up a good deal. So I got, uh, you know, the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games. So I got the first Tomb Raider, which was only $3, $2.99. Wait, wait, hold up. Say that again? How much is it? Two ninety nine. Wow. Even if you don't like plan on playing that or had no interest, like for three dollars, like this is a really good game too. It's like the first game in the the rebooted Tomb Raider series. Because what made me want to get it is they like they've are Sony has already given the two and three for that from that series away as plus games, which two was rise of the tomb Raider and three was shadow of the tomb Raider. So I already have those in my library and like my OCD, it was like bothering me that I didn't have the first one. So I saw this for like $3. I'm like, Oh, okay, well that's a no brainer. I've got to complete this collection. Well, you played the trilogy on Xbox, right? I did. Yes. Now you have a reason to play them on PlayStation. Get them trophies. <laughs> That's true. If I cared about trophies as much as you, yeah. That <laughs> One day, you will. I'm going to get you there. I mean, you're slowly turning me. I'm getting more Platinums now, so. You better get that Ratchet and Clank Platinum. It's so easy. Like 20% of the community has it now. You have no excuse. Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, and so the you'll be happy about the other game that I got. Yeah, so I got uh, the Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune bundle for $14. The Jeopardy game sucks. Sorry to, to burst your bubble. It's not, not a good version of Jeopardy, but the Wheel of Fortune game, that alone is worth 15 bucks. They did a really good job with that one. The best Jeopardy game is actually on the PS3. They made a really good one on there. They even have Alex Trebek and all that. This one doesn't have that. This one also lacks the presentation it doesn't feel like you're on the show like with the wheel of fortune one that they made but uh continue shock sorry i cut you off yeah no so the reason i got it is because me and you play that you have those games up until now we've always just you've share played wheel of fortune with me so i was like you know for 14 bucks i could just get the bundle and then we could just play it properly together so and then i figured you know even if jeopardy sucks like say i'm just i want to just bullshit around and play a game where I don't really have to pay attention and I really like trivia so I was like yeah I could just have a podcast in and just play like Jeopardy or something so yeah that's that's it that's pretty much all I've been playing for this week uh should I mention Luigi's Mansion uh, I guess I have to real quick I didn't beat it I didn't beat it I'm sorry guys I didn't beat it I did complete another floor but that's it so maybe next week I'll have it finished. Tune in, <laughs> and you'll find out. The continuing Luigi's Mansion 3 saga. Yeah, this is getting ridiculous. Like, I need to beat this game. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's only, like, what, two or three floors left now? Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, that says something about the game, or something about me, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. Now, actually, now that you say that, though, I do have a game. I did beat Sackboy. Not really going to talk much about it, but I will say that... Oh, boy. So, you know how I was saying last week, I kind of had a similar problem as you where I'm just not compelled to come back to it. You know you know when you're getting towards the end of a game that you're not, you're sort of semi- You're dragging your ass. Yeah, it's dragging. You're just like, dude, can you just end this, please? So, yeah, I get to like the final boss, right? I, I beat him. And then they're like, 
uh, psych, uh, there's actually another boss. <laughs> like, that wasn't the final boss. And then you're like, oh my god, really? So I beat that boss, and then they're like, they're like, okay, you know, the credits play, and they're like, yay, you've completed the story, blah, blah, And then they're like, psych, there's a whole nother world after this. I'm like, are you, I'm like, no, nope, nope, no, I'm not doing it. And then after you complete that, it tells you, well, you have to play through the entire game again to get the real ending. I forget which NES game that did that. Might have been Ghosts and Goblins. So, yeah, so I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I was like, technically, I beat the story, so I'm done with this game. Like, so (laughs) I just, I deleted it. Like, I'm done with it. But I'm just like, man, this game is way too long for what type of game it is. So I'm curious when you play this, like, what you're going to think of it. Probably going to have similar feelings. I might, maybe just a little bit more positive because I played all the Little Big Planet games. So I'm very familiar with that universe. All right, Mike, I think we're done with the what we're playing section, wouldn't you say? Unless you have anything left you want to get off your chest. One more thing. Back to Metal Gear Solid. When the credits scene pops up, don't skip it. There's a 20-minute cutscene in there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and then after the credits, like the real credits, there's like, a, I think, a, a minute and a half audio dialogue thing. You got to stick around. It's actually a very important cutscene, too for the entire Metal Gear Solid series. I would expect nothing less from Hideo Kojima. So. <laughs> Crazy bastard. I love him, though. Makes great games. Yeah, oh no, we, we like I said, we stand Hideo Kojima in this house, so we, we just, we appreciate his, uh, his quirkiness, let's say. Okay, so we're moving on to our topic, finally, which is video games and mental health. So we're probably going to get a little bit serious now. And, you know, if if there's anybody who suffers from mental health issues out there, um, there might be some topics we talk about that'll be sensitive and we'll, we'll give a fair warning beforehand if, you know, we need to give you like a trigger warning or something. But so don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, just um, this is something I wanted to talk about because uh, both things are important to me and I just think there's a lot there to talk about. So. Oh boy, where do we start? <laughs> I guess how has video games helped you, Jacques? Because, you know, it's helped me quite a bit. Put the serious cap on for a second. I mean, the, the, video games have always been a nice little safe haven for me or a place to get lost in. That's why I love playing single-player games and I get lost in those worlds for a while. And then I have to go back to the, you know, the the, the bullshit I got to deal with. But, you know, th- those moments are very precious to me. And to be very serious with you guys, I don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for video games. I'm going to be honest with you. There's been some dark times. And this hobby has uh, pushed me through those horrible moments. I almost feel like it's a disservice. They call it a hobby, too. You know what I mean? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's I, I know it's. That was the first word that came in my head. I know you don't have to call it a hobby. I'm not criticizing your your use of the word. I'm just saying like, it's almost like a a lifestyle though. It's, you know, it's something that is essential to a lot of people's lives. And like you said, it is a safe haven. It's somewhere where you can go and escape the real world, which honestly sucks a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, Even if you're a very positive person and stuff, life is hard and, 
there's not many places where you can just escape to and truly immerse yourself in another world. It's like, yeah, sure, movies and TVs and things like that, but I think the the whole interactive aspect of gaming really just takes it to another level. Yeah. I think, like, you know, maybe some older generations who don't quite get video games and how um, helpful and transformative they are for people... Um, I really wish they, they could get introduced to just like that one game that might just totally change their mind because it's really hard to explain. It's just something you have to just experience yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've had this conversation with people and they're like, well, yeah, I get that with TV shows and movies. And I'm like, yeah, you do a little bit, but it's it's not the same. You're not as involved. You're not in there. But in, in a video game world... You're in control. You're in that world. You're making decisions that affect everything. Well, not in all games play like this, but like let's just take Mass Effect as an example. You know, the decisions you make in those games affect everything around you. You're not going to get that in a movie or a TV show. You're not going to have that control. It's not the same. No, yeah, I agree. Um, as far as yeah, like <clears throat> decisions, I, I think that really. Um, it, I, yeah, I think games also like help you with empathy because it's not passive like movie watching or, you know, like you said with Mass Effect, you're actually making decisions that affect people and that really makes you think. And for as much as the media and people sensationalists want to talk about how video games cause real world violence, which is complete bullshit because there's been a lot of studies that have debunked that. Those people don't ever talk about the positive aspects of gaming translating oh, no, to never. the real world. Never. I'm, a, I'm around those kind of people all the time. They never mention a positive thing about it. It's always negative. I could bring Mario to the table. I shit you not. I can bring Mario and all those kind of games to the table and they'll find something bad about it. Or they'll try to find something bad about it. It's how their minds are set with video games and how they view them. It's just some people you just can't change, unfortunately. They won't see it from your point of view. Because there there's certain things that, like I said, positive aspects, like a few I can think of is, so um, with video games, you're constantly learning new information. You know, each game that you switch to, you have to learn new mechanics, new systems, everything. So that really helps with something called neuroplasticity, which I'm not a scientist, <laughs> clearly. So I'll try to explain <laughs> this the best I can in layman's terms. But it's essentially like how flexible your your brain is, like the, the for learning new information. And there's like the neural pathways and stuff. And by the more um, new things you do, new information, new things you learn, it, it creates like cells, I believe, uh, which creates like different pathways in your brain. So essentially, you're just like, yeah, you're more open. You're you're. Um, I'm doing a terrible job at explaining this, but just look up neuroplasticity. So yeah, so like you're 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 keeping your brain flexible is basically what I'm saying, which which helps in staving off neurodegenerative disorders like uh, or diseases like um you know Alzheimer's. Yeah, Alzheimer's, things like that, yeah. Um you know, memory issues, things like that. You're constantly having to remember stuff, a lot of things actually in video games. So it's it's you're doing puzzles, you're really having to think about a lot of things. Your 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 hand eye coordination it really helps your reflexes, like all that stuff just really keeps your brain sharp and kind of 
decreases your chances of your brain degrading over time, which is naturally going to happen. And mine's already doing that. <laughs> yeah, sooner mine too. <laughs> I don't get much sleep. And you know, I'll just mention this right now. I have cysts in my brain that causes migraines. And, you know, it, it, it kind of messes with my memory a little bit. So that's why if you hear me stutter or blah, 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 I might have to, well, editing actually hides all that. You guys should actually hear the raw footage of this shit. You, you would be like shocked. Yeah, it's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, but gaming <laughs> does help me keep my mind sharp. It really does. If it I can, I don't, I don't see, I'm already, I'm not going to cut this out. I'm not cutting that out. See, I just messed up right there. Yeah, give them the full, give them the unedited raw version so they can see like how, what it's like. It, and it's, it's difficult for me. Like I said, I don't get much sleep. So that affects me in one way. And then I get migraines that affects me in another. And I have, you know, just to go into another thing, I have terrible stomach issues, IBS, lactose intolerant, have problems digesting food. It's, hold on a second. See? I'm yeah, blanking. So the memory issues. Do you see what's you see what's happening to me? Imagine how bad it would be without video games. Now, if you listen to all the other episodes, you're like, well, no, you don't do that. That's because I edit the shit out of this. This part right here, I'm not editing. I just want to give you guys a taste of me, the real me right now. And uh, it sucks, but, but gaming really does help me keep uh, my... But gaming really does help keep my mind focused on things and keeps things keeps my brain just firing if it wasn't for gaming i think i my brain would be more zombie than <laughs> than 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 i am on most days you see how i'm stuttering right now yeah and you you didn't even mention too like the, these these issues that you mentioned also prevent you from getting a lot of sleep too so that yep. also affects your memory and then there's all the the everyday shit i have to deal with so much shit you don't want to know and i will not tell you guys because it's it's very private and it's messed up but it's things i've been dealing with for years and years and years and yeah it just it takes a toll on your body and it takes a toll on your mental state and uh not to sound like a broken record but that's why i love video gaming it's it just keeps me distracted in a good way because um, you don't want you don't want your mind to go into these dark places. I've been there. You don't want to go down that road. And if you are experiencing that, talk to your friends. Maybe even get some help. Don't fight that by yourself. It's just not healthy. And that's that's the the worst. Maybe one of the worst parts about mental illness and then you know there's various mental illnesses like there's such a wide variety so you can't really throw a blanket on all of them but i guess as far as like depression alone is kind of what we're talking about and maybe anxiety too it's those are kind of there's comorbidity there those are my friends <laughs> yeah the friends you hate that you don't really like you want to get rid of but yeah i mean like i've had my struggles with um depression and anxiety and I'm a lot better now, but I still deal with some stuff with that. And it's like, yeah, I've talked to professionals in the past and it's, it's been a huge help to me. And and the thing about like depression is it, it lies to you. I look at it as like this, this darkness that just lies to you and you can't trust your own brain. Um, you shouldn't trust your own brain and you just want to isolate yourself. It, it basically tells you all the things that you don't need that is not going to help you. And you just have to kind of learn how to 
let those negative thoughts go in one ear and out the other. And it's difficult because your perspective is entirely shifted. It it doesn't like align with reality, but you're a lot of times you're, you're not aware of that because you're so in it. And that's why I think like talking to other people and this professionals, especially will really kind of give you the more reasonable perspective and kind of help you out of that mindset. So yeah, I mean, at some point you just have to kind of um, take that leap to trust people and as human beings, as much as I don't want to admit it and others probably don't is we need each other because I am definitely an introvert and so is Mike and we naturally like to isolate. And I think in today's world, a lot of people are like that, especially younger generations, you know, we have our internet and our entertainment and our, our bubbles, or we could just, you know, trap ourselves in here. And it does become like a prison, a trap. Modern so. technology in many ways is a blessing, but at the same time, it is a curse when it comes to like socializing with other people. We're creating more introverts now more than ever. People don't really want to go outside. They stay on their phones. They play their video games. And, you know, yeah, video games can get in the way with that, too. Sometimes you got to keep everything in check. Yeah, it's... I lost my thought, but it doesn't matter. No, it's fine. And it's and there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. There no. has to be some kind of balance. Like, don't let it get too far to where you completely exactly. isolate yourself. No. Because then you'll only have your perspective. And your perspective is not always the best, like I said. Because with depression, it's it, your brain lies to you. And And you'd be surprised, too. You know, there's been times where I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother friends. Like, they don't need to hear my problems. But then you reach out. And you see like, oh shit, like there's actually a lot of people that care about me and that that can really uplift you. It, it's, we just all get stuck in our own minds and it really is like a prison. It, it sucks. It's, it's, it's why you got to get out of your head, learn how to get out of your head, get out of your own way. But, um, you know, I wanted to segue into like, um, you talked about your, your issues, you know, your brain and your stomach and, um, that could segue into disabilities, um. Cause like my, myself, I have, I was born with cystic fibrosis. Um, that's one major thing. Now I am a lot healthier. I'm probably actually the healthiest I've ever been because I take care of myself, but man, like dealing with a chronic illness is very difficult on your mental health. And I'm sure all of you out there who are dealing with chronic illnesses, you completely understand because it's, there's no escape. It's always there with you. And it's like, Video games are such a refuge to make you just forget about all your problems that you're having, even if it's just for a few hours. So what I have is kind of what they call like an invisible illness. You can't necessarily tell that I'm ill just by looking at me. But there are people that have like physical disabilities too. Yeah. Nowadays, it's probably the best time in gaming for them because we're, we're putting such an emphasis on accessibility, which I think is fantastic. Like they have controllers. Yeah. Now I'm starting to get like you. I'm stumbling (laughs) over my words. Yeah. They have controllers now for people with physical disabilities that actually allows them to play like games they couldn't play before. And, um, accessibility options within the game. Um, like I think the last of us part two, that's one of the best things that they did. They, I've never seen a game with so many accessibility options, you know, whether it be like colorblindness or, you know, just physically like your hands, you can't like maneuver the controller as good as someone who doesn't have a disability. They, 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 um, have 
Um, is there anything you want to say? Because I'm kind of fumbling now. Just to go back to The Last of Us, adding all those things that they added for the people who have those kind of disabilities. I remember hearing stories of, you know, people sending um, messages to, you know, Naughty Dog, like thanking them, like that they added that, you know, they, they were like in tears, like that they could actually, you know, play the game the way that they're able to play it. A lot of games out there don't really cater to the level that Naughty Dog did. Like they went above and beyond. There's like a million different things you can turn on, turn off, switch to this, put this on. This helps you with this. This helps you with that. Developers are, are getting there. They're, I mean, they're, they're doing a better job with that. That alone, just that alone, what Naughty Dog did shows me that that's one of the best games ever made. I know I'm I'm stirring up some hate probably right now because I know there's people out there that hate The Last of Us Part Two, but th- that game, for me at least, is one of the best games I've ever played. It's actually my favorite PlayStation exclusive, hands down. I I love the first Last of Us game, but the second game is just on another level for me. But yeah, I, I really appreciate what Naughty Dog did for all of the people with those uh disabilities and handicaps. Like it, it was truly amazing. And uh, going off that too, so there's a couple people. Uh, there's Steve Spawn from Able Gamers, which go check out that. It's um, like a nonprofit uh, organization who's like working to just improve, uh, you know, accessibility for disabled gamers. And then there's uh, Steve Saylor, who's the blind gamer, and the same thing with him. And um, they were both able to beat The Last of Us Part Two, which is insane because that's like a 30 hour game with a lot of heavy combat and stuff like that. So for them to be able to, to beat that is like, that just shows how great the accessibility options are for that game. So we can kind of transition a little bit too, and just talk about some of the games that have actually helped our mental health a little bit. Is there any kind of specific games that you can think of? Hellblade, Senua Sacrifice. Oh Yeah. When I finished that game, I was like, this is one of the most memorable gaming experiences I've ever had, hands down. I agree. If you have not played Hellblade, um, and there's a sequel coming probably in a couple years or so, but uh, the lead character is Senua, and I won't get too much into it because I don't want to spoil things for you, because, oh my god, if you have not played this game, please go play it. But I, I highly recommend that you have like good headphones to play it because that is part of the experience because Senua has schizophrenia and I have not ever seen a game that simulates what it is like to have schizophrenia more than Hellblade. And, you know, the headphones come into it where you're constantly hearing voices in your head going in and out of your head and telling you all. Yeah. It's like those voices that just pop up. Oh my God. Yeah. You'll just be hearing like, like we're scared we're scared we're scared don't do it don't do it don't do it and it's like multiple voices oh, and you can it. she's gonna do it yeah she's gonna do it and you can see how that would just make you crazy like you you start if that's happening over your lifetime you're like you can't even trust like your own reality and i was just like and the story is fucking phenomenal too and uh melina jurgens who uh mocaps and voices send you and they actually use her likeness too it's actually her um and she was actually just the, the video editor for Ninja Theory, the developer. And they're just like, she was used as a stand-in yep. until they got hired a real actress to do it. And they were like, oh shit, like she's actually really good. We're just going to keep her. I would love to have been in that room when that happened. They're like, oh yeah, could you just stand in for this thing? Yeah, okay. And then she like nails it and they're like, yeah, yeah, do do another one. Guys, yeah, we got She's got to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, she's so good. And, um, you know, ever, I became a fan of her from that. Like, I actually follow her on social media and I've been following her life. And what's interesting is she actually has a lot of health issues herself. Um, she has fibromyalgia, which oh man causes a lot of chronic pain. And she has, I'm not sure, she has like some other issues too, but like she channeled all of that pain. So all that pain you're you're hearing in that game is like real. I didn't know that. That makes me love the game even more now. I'm almost getting a little emotional thinking about that. Just to go back to the uh, the sounds you hear when you have the headphones on, Man, can you imagine with the 3D audio on the PS5, Jacques? Oh my god, with this oh, game. Oh, I cannot wait for Hellblade 2. It's going to be insane with the 3D audio. It really immerses you in the game. There's no way I can describe it. You have to just experience it yourself. So if you are going to play this game, for the love of God, put a headset on. Because there's some people like, eh, I got good speakers. and No, no, put a headset on. Yeah, just the true how it's meant to be experienced. You get the full effect of what Ninja Theory is trying to go for. And speaking of that, they're actually working on another game right now. It's well, it's just codenamed Project Mara right now, but it's supposed to take that even a step further. And they're basically trying to simulate the actual terror of what having schizophrenia feels like, which I can't even imagine anything beyond Hellblades. I'm almost like afraid to play whatever this game is, but I'm also looking forward to it. But yeah, moving on from that too, um, I have some other games too. Um, two games actually, because I played them back to back. One is the original Last of Us, because we talked about that. That That is an important game for both of us. And also Life is Strange, the very first one. I played both those back to back. And if you know anything about those games, um, they are downers <laughs> to say the least. So after playing those back to back, it like completely destroyed me. Like for two weeks after I was just, I was like crying. I was like, I just couldn't believe the story, the journey that I went through. And, but at the end of it, once I came out of it, I was like, oh my God, I feel better. Like, cause I, like I have a hard time crying or I did not so much anymore because I've become more in touch with my emotions and realizing it's okay to cry. It's actually good. It's, it's healthy for you to get that yeah, out. It's good for your you, eyes. Your eyes and your 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 brain, your your body, you know, because bottling that up can just cause so much tension and anxiety. So, yeah, that those games just like allowed me to get all that out, and that that's that is such a benefit to your mental health. I cried like a baby in the first Last of Us game. It was during a very specific scene in the third act, and I'm not going to say what it is because there's always new gamers coming in. They haven't experienced it yet, so I don't want to talk about it, but oh my god, it, it hit me so hard. I had to like put the controller down and walk outside. <laughs> it's like I can't it's like I can't handle this right now. I know exactly what scene you're talking about too. Yeah, that that was a rough one. Because it's the it was build like, up to that scene. Yeah, exactly. What was yep. said early in the game. It was brought over all the way into the third act and it was just perfect timing and it yeah, it just hit me hard. For for those who have played and kind of are curious what we're talking about, I'll just give a little hint. It takes place during the winter, so at the end of that, yeah. And the for like for the I was saying the life is strange. The first game, um, I was really surprised I connected with it so much because it's it's about like teenage girls in high school, um, which is like the total opposite of me. So I'm like, well, how would I relate to that? 
Um, but I was just, I don't know, something about Chloe and Max's relationship and how it's built throughout the whole game. And then it was like you were saying with um, The Last of Us, like it's once you get to like the culmination of that, they've laid the groundwork there. There's there's a decision you have to make the end. And it's like <laughs> it's a tough decision, man. And you you know what's coming too, and it's it's like. But the thing is, is I learned so much from that game. I, I feel like I made the right decision because of what the game was teaching me up until that point. I, I really got the message, and it's yeah. I don't I don't want to spoil anymore, but I would say yeah, go play the first Life is Strange. And they're they're doing a. It's reported they're they're actually doing a proper sequel to that, where they're those characters are going to return. So I'm very very happy about that. Yeah, um so uh so The Witcher 3, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Now this kind of has helped me in a, a different way than what we've been talking about. So The Witcher 3 is a very very long game. Uh you could spend hundreds of hours in it. It's a huge open world game uh and it's based in like Polish uh lore, you know, Polish high fantasy. So I'd heard about this game for so long and I was like you know, how a lot of people didn't finish it. And it was like, so I was like, when I started this game, I was like, I made a promise to myself. I'm like, no matter what, you are going to finish this game. And in my life, um, I kind of have like attention issues and I have had problems and I still do suffer with this with, I start projects and I don't finish them because I just become bored or disinterested which is why it's like crazy that we're actually, we followed through on this podcast and I'm so proud of us. Yeah, The Witcher 3. So I I put like 200 hours into the game and it took me two months, but I finished it, all the DLC, everything. And after that, I could see an actual tangible change in my life. Like I actually was like, well, shit, I can actually finish things that are hard and I can do this. So yeah, ever since then, I've been a lot better about finishing things. So there's like a tangible benefit that has translated from games to life. You know, people don't talk about that a lot. Um, and then, uh, real quick, I've mentioned Slay the Spire like so many times because uh, I just I love that game. I've put almost a thousand hours into it, and I play it almost daily. So it is basically it's like a card game roguelike, rogue light. But and I and this kind of is related to other roguelikes like Dark Souls and stuff. I think that is why the people love these roguelikes so much is because they're hard, like extremely hard. And they they really simulate like battles in life, like how hard life is. And it's like people feel like if I can beat this game or I can beat these really hard bosses and stick with this, then I can face my real problems in life. And I, and I, people become addicted to that when you start getting stronger mentally, it's the same thing with like the Witcher, you know, that I think that's why these games are so helpful. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who just can't deal with real life and hardships in real life. And it's like, well, let me go to my hobby or, you know, I hate calling it a hobby, but let me go to games, something I love. I think I can finish things in that realm. And then before you know it, yeah, like it translates, your mind becomes stronger and you start being able to do better in life. Yeah, Mike, I guess we could like move on to what your your story you wanted to talk about because I think it has to do with like veterans. Yeah. Um you might want to skip ahead if you don't want to hear certain disturbing stories that soldiers had to go through overseas. If that really bothers you, 
it's completely okay if you want to skip this part. Just just wanted to give you guys a heads up. But uh, there was a, a fellow gamer that I played with a lot back in the day. We played a lot of Battlefield. Awesome player. Cool dude. I won't mention the person's name. I'm going to keep them anonymous. He told me, me and a bunch of other people who were playing one night, uh, a story is something that happened to him and his uh, squad when they were patrolling. And I think it was somewhere in Afghanistan, somewhere in the Middle East around there. Now, before I get into the story, gaming helps him. It's helped him get past all this stuff, or not get past it, but at least, you know, help him cope with what he had to deal with over there. So I wanted to share his story. Now, this is someone who openly shares the story. It wasn't like a, I'm going to tell you this, guys, but don't tell anybody else. It's not not one of those situations. But I'm going to respect the person and not mention their name. I'm just, I'm just going to call this person Sergeant John Doe. Anyway, uh, so him and his uh, squad mates were just patrolling or going back to base or heading somewhere that they had to go. I, I don't know the whole story. He didn't go into it. But as they were driving, all of a sudden, they just got hit with a barrage of bullets. They had to, you know, get out of the Hummer or whatever vehicle they were in. I guess the guy who's in the gunner seat on top, he yelled down to them and said, it's across the way, like it's over there. And they all looked and then they noticed, now this is the really messed up part. The ones who were firing at them were children. You know how those terrorist groups overseas, they would use kids to do a lot of this stuff, you know, to kind of like screw with the minds of whoever they're fighting. Probably 10, 11, 12, nine-year-olds firing AKs. And and they had to make a horrible decision and it had to be done. They, Whoever the commanding officer was in the group, he's like, shoot them. You have to drop them. So they took them all out. It's just how it is. It's it's war and all that. It's It's messed up. But, uh, you know, they had to go through a lot of, you know, psych things and, you know, with psychiatrists and all that. And gaming is what really helped him, at least. I don't know about the rest of his guys that he was with. It really helped him cope with that. I, I can't even imagine what that would do to you. I can't even try to put myself in that person's shoes who had to go through that situation. So this is just one of those things where, you know video games once again help them when they're in the very dark moment and uh it's it just sucks that they have to deal with shit like that all the time over there i mean you hear these stories but you try to like pretend it doesn't happen but this shit does happen and uh yeah i just wanted to share that with you guys but once again just goes back to you know gaming and how much it helps people and it does it really does. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine how traumatizing that would be. And um, I actually have something related to that, I can say, and that um, deals with like how gaming can treat brain injuries. There's actually been studies that gaming can like actually help repair your brain like in a physical, tangible way. Because, like I said, it has to do with that neuroplasticity. I think it like it helps you create new new cells and pathways, and so so if that is like a legitimate option for like therapy, you know, for for 
soldiers or just whoever, you know, say you had like a concussion from sports or whatever, a car accident. Uh, I don't know that that's definitely a legitimate thing that can help you. And, um, and then I think that exposure therapy too, you can use games for that. Like, you know, someone, a veteran coming back from the war, they could maybe play some games or listen, you know, war games, Call of Duty. I don't know if necessarily Call of Duty, but, you know, maybe Spec Ops the line or something, but something that just kind of exposes them to, to hard stuff that they're, they're traumatized by, but in a, in a safe space, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably never going to heal, you know, some, something traumatizing like that. It's no, but you can at least That's what uh, your take whole strides. Life. You can, you can at least get to a point where like you can actually move forward with your life or learn how to move forward. And yeah. And these are, these are just things I feel like the media doesn't really talk about because it's not sensational and it's, that it doesn't fit their narrative. And it's, I think that's a shame because uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm all about, I want games to reach the widest audience possible. So everyone can see just the, the, the wonderful life-changing benefits of games. Yeah. I, I highly, I have such reverence for our military, the U S military. And, um, you know, my, my, uh, uncle actually died in Vietnam. So, um, and I've had other family in the military. So yeah, my, my, uh, dad's father was actually on the beaches of Normandy. He survived. Oh, really? Yep. And my mom's father, I don't know if it was Hiroshima, but what was the other city? that uh... Nagasaki. Yeah, it was one of those. He actually walked through it after it happened. Phew. He would never talk about it. See, some, some soldiers, they can talk about it. They want to talk about it. They want to share what happened. Others, they just can't. And both are understandable. I, I get it. Yeah, 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 totally. I agree, though. I think like it's probably healthier to talk about it, but I am not in that position, so I cannot speak on that. And it's like, yeah, it's just whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, yeah, just the thing soldiers go through is like nobody can relate unless you've been there. So, yeah, and, uh, but I think, yeah, we should move on to <laughs> surprise mechanics because that was a heavy one and I anticipated that it would be heavy. So I, I hope you guys at least got something from that topic. Um, yeah, let us know in the comments, uh, maybe like your history with mental health or anything you're comfortable talking about. And yeah, we'd really appreciate that and we'll, we'll reply to you. So, but, uh, let's move on to surprise mechanics. <laughs> so, uh, hard transition. This uh, this segment, uh, if you are new, it is basically, it's in the name. Uh, it's, it's a surprise. Me and Mike have both brought something to the table, and uh, neither one of us knows what it is, so it's going to be a surprise. So, uh, Mike, would you like to start off? Sure. Jacques, it's time to play Who Would Win in a Fight? Now, of course, it's all video game related, so I'm going to have two video game characters Go head to head. I have six matchups for you, Jacques. Oh boy. Are you ready? Uh yeah, I, I I love these kinds of conversations, so yeah, please go ahead. Alright, number one. Claptrap <laughs> or clank. Ha! Oh god, uh two robots, huh? Ooh. Well, Claptrap has actually wielded guns before, so. Yes, he can use guns. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen Clank wield a gun. I don't know if he can. He might be able to. But you got to keep this in mind, Jock. He's very smart, and he can create a whole bunch of shit. He creates a lot of stuff for Ratchet. 
that is very true. Claptrap is pretty dumb. <laughs> he means well. Uh, Claptrap is a little bit bigger than Clank, too. A little bit more mobile since he's on that, that wheel. I am going to kill you, Clank. That is most unfortunate. Here's my interdimensional gun. And <laughs> he just, like, puts him somewhere else, yeah. That's probably how you'd win. You'd probably just send him somewhere. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I, I always think, like, intelligence is probably, in most cases, not all of cases, but intelligence is probably uh, favored over brawn. So I'm going to go ahead and say Clank. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think Clank would uh, beat Claptrap if they had to go head-to-head in a fight. <laughs> Plus, like, uh, you know, if, if Clank gets beat up, like, uh, Ratchet can always repair him afterwards. All right, number two. Samus from the Metroid series, or Doom Slayer, or Doom Guy, uh, you can call him either one, doesn't matter. Who do you think would win that fight? Ooh. Hmm. That's, wow. These are some good ones. Doom Slayer has a lot of crazy weapons. Some really crazy weapons. And then, of course, you got Samus has that suit. Yeah, because Doom Guy or Doom Slayer, he's, he's like, literally fucking gone to hell and, like, fucking slayed demons and fucking... Yeah, I, but but Samus, like, she's she's slayed, like, aliens and... I'd say Samus maybe has more, like, abilities or powers. She can turn into a freaking ball. I mean, yeah. <laughs> get all Sonic on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sonic... But I think um so isn't like I'm not too familiar with like the Doom franchise. Is Doom guy is he like is he immortal? I don't think so. I think okay. he's just very, very lucky. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. I the Samus might be a little bit smarter. I don't know. Um I think it's gonna come down to what weapons is Doom Slayer using in this fight because there are some weapons that probably could wreck samus oh for sure and he's absolutely brutal like like hell is afraid of him like that tells you everything he's just one guy and i think i'm leaning towards doom slayer i think so too just because of his his weapon selection yeah I that and I think just like his his just pure fucking willpower and focus on just slaying everything in his way. Now for you Metroid fans out there, if you can make a good argument for Samus, please tell us. Yeah, please do. I would like to hear that. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Doom Guy. Okay. Number three. Commander Shepard or Duke Nukem. Now, it could be male or female Shepard, you know, whichever one you want to pick. If it's female Shepard, it's going to be a lot more interesting because who she's fighting. You know, Duke's going to be saying some stuff. Hey, sweet cakes. <laughs> He's never even actually said that. I, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it could be either or. Like, it doesn't really matter which Shep it is. Now, do keep in mind, the rules in their universes are in this fight. So when Duke Nukem drinks a beer or opens a bottle of steroids and chucks it down. <laughs> He's going to become indestructible for a brief amount of time. I think it only lasts like 20, 30 seconds. Those Duke Nukem games are so ridiculous. But Commander Shepard has the military experience. Right. Yeah, I think um, Shepard has a more indomitable will, but Duke Nukem is just silly and 
I don't know, man. It's so hard because like his, see the Mass Effect universe is more grounded. So like you said, with Duke Nukem, it's more where he can just take steroids or drink beer and become like indestructible. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm probably going to have to go with Duke Nukem. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Not to mention, he's got some weird, crazy shit. Like, he has, like, a shrink gun ray. Like, he could shrink Shepard down to, like, a little mouse, and he can just step on her or him. You think the Reapers were bad? You haven't seen nothing yet, baby. Oh, God, Duke Nukem in the Mass Effect universe. Please, Gearbox, make that happen. He's a squad member you can take on missions. <laughs> you don't want him on the Normandy. He'd just be looking for Liara and Miranda, Edie. <laughs> I'm going to put the shotgun down your throat and shit down it. So we're both picking Duke Nukem? Oh, uh, yeah, Duke Nukem. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Number four. Laura Croft from the Crystal Dynamic Tomb Raider trilogy or Ellie from The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Nathan Drake. Yeah, that was the obvious you know, one, but I was like, all right, let me think of something else. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't go with the obvious ones. Oh, man. um, Boy, they are both survivors. So, uh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And like, so they're both trained in weapons, but I like Ellie is especially after Last of Us Part 2. She is just fucking vicious, dude. But did you see Lara Croft in Shadow of the Tomb Raider? She becomes like Rambo in some sections yeah, of that game. Yeah, that's true. And she's a lot more... Uh acrobatic you know she can climb up you know freaking mountains and shit ellie can't do that mm. i mean see this is tough because i want to say ellie now are we talking about like Lara croft after the newest trilogy like she's gone through all of the trilogy yes and then ellie is like the most current ellie after the last yep. of us part two mm -hmm. okay I, and I would say, like, Ellie is probably a little more mentally broken, which it would affect her in battle. So I'd probably say Lara Croft. Yeah, Lara Croft's going to beat her. But here's the thing, Jacques. If I was there and I had to choose a side, going with Ellie. Oh, of course. I know we're going to die, but... but <laughs> Dude, I've got Ellie's back, man. Like, no matter what, like, ride or die with Ellie. I think Laura might have a uh, higher uh, body count. Well, I, dude, she takes out a lot of guys in that trilogy. It, yeah, you're probably right, <laughs> but it's close after the last. We're talking about two. like mercenaries, like trained militia mercenaries. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, okay, so we're both picking Lara Croft. All right, let's go to the final one. No, there's two more, but I, I, I might, I might skip the sixth one. I'm not sure yet. We'll, we'll see. Number five, Sonic the Hedgehog. Or Delson Rowe from Infamous Second Son. Uh, oh, wow. That is like really, really random. I know. That's why it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, well, Delson does have power. So I was like, can he even catch Sonic? I don't think so. A lot of Delson's abilities is shooting shit. And he's not going to hit Sonic. Yeah. And I think there's some things he can do where he can like rip apart the ground and knock Sonic off of, you know, get him off his feet. But we've seen Sonic, like, jump on pieces of debris and run, you know, boom, 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 jump around full speed and catch up to you. I, I really I really think Sonic the Hedgehog would win this. 
He's just too fast. I don't even think this is really hard. I think it's for sure Sonic because speed is like, that's one of the most powerful assets you can have in a battle. Because I'm always like, you know, take the Flash for instance, and the Flash is faster than Sonic, but like, how do you beat the Flash? Like, he can like defeat you before you even know you're in a fight. Like, he he slows down time so much. It's like he can do anything he wants. He can even like reverse time. Now, Sonic, I don't think could do that yeah, much. I think Sonic can go back in time oh, because there's he? Sonic okay. CD and he actually does go back in time and that when he runs really fast and yeah. Well, yeah, then it's not even a contest. Yeah, Sonic 100%. All right, I, I guess we could do the last one. Yeah, go ahead. Number six, Galen Merrick, pronouncing mm. his name right, a star killer from The Force Unleashed. Right. Or two Reapers from Mass Effect. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did this because in the first Force Unleashed game, he pulls down a Super Star Destroyer right. from space. So I was like, eh, what can he do against a Reaper? Or two? Yeah, that is interesting. Because, like, I mean, like, Reapers are probably at least the size of, like, Star Destroyers, wouldn't you say? Maybe bigger. I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Super Star Destroyers might be bigger. Those things are massive. That's true. Yeah, like a Super Star Destroyer. Um, But the point is, like... Yeah, they're they're ginormous. Thing is though, like Reapers are like sentient, so they're super intelligent. They're fast, but Star Killer is not. He's not your average force user. Yeah, he's not canon. But if he was canon, he might be like at the top of the food chain when it comes to force powers. Like he he destroys. Minor spoilers. He destroys Vader and the Emperor in that storyline. Destroys them. Like, he flat out kicks Vader's ass. Yeah, he has insane raw power with the Force. I think, yeah, you're right. He's probably, like, up near the top of the most powerful Force users ever. Oh, my God, man. That's an interesting fight. Holy shit. I think he could bring down one of the Reapers, but the problem is, if he's going against two, the other one might flank him, you know, get him. Right, right, right. Is his Force powers strong enough to deflect those shots, those beam shots that they fire? I don't know. Yeah, and it's just, they're so large, too. He's just one person. I know he's, like, super strong with the Force, but man, like... It's a really good matchup when you think about it. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, I'm leaning towards the Reapers, but the fact that I'm even contemplating this just shows how powerful... He can Force run. Maybe that's how he can avoid their shots. He can can run pretty fast. Yeah, I'm... (sighs) That's why I added two Reapers, because I think he could take out one by himself one v one i think i think the second one is going to cause problems for, with yeah him. i agree i think that's probably the answer he took out this super star destroyer but it took him a while to bring that thing down and nothing was really bothering him except for some tie fighters here and there but if there's a second reaper there causing shit i don't know yeah i think i think with like um you know not if he wasn't bothered by anything else he could just totally concentrate on the reapers i think he could take one of them down but like you said i think the other one would probably flank him so i'm gonna say the reapers would win or is he strong enough to bring two down at the same time i I don't know that would be fucking insane yeah i don't know man yeah i say the reapers i'm gonna be different say star killer i'm gonna go with him that's fair i won't argue that all right, well, cool. Yeah, that that was a fun one. I I really like that. I um I hope we do more of those in the future, like uh this person or this thing versus this thing. All right, well, I I will move on to my surprise mechanic, which oh man, I think we're gonna have so much fun with. 
Uh, and it's funny that we were uh, talking about Hideo Kojima in Metal Gear Solid 4, and you had no idea that this was my surprise mechanic. But we're going to play a game <laughs> called Hideo Kojima or Mega Man. Okay. This is where I'm going to name... I have 33 characters. We'll see if we can get through them all. And I'm going to name them one by one, and you tell me if they were in Hideo Kojima games or Mega Man games. Oh, I like this. This is cool. All right, let's go. This might sound easier than it actually is at first. Now, I did throw some easier ones in there that you'll probably know. There's a lot of hard ones, though. And I'm just going to keep going, like, fast, you know, to try to get through these, so... Okay, so, Master Miller. So, yeah, you can just say Kojima or Mega Man. That's all you have to okay. say after. Kojima. Correct. Decoy Octopus. Mega Man. Incorrect. Oh. Okay. Um, Shadow Devil. Kojima. Incorrect. Mega that Man. sounds like a Metal Gear character. <laughs> Holy shit, yep. it really does. That, that's why I came up with this game. You just fucking wait, Mike. Buckle up. Okay. I don't know a lot about Mega Man, so it's going to be hard. All right. Guts Man. Kojima. Incorrect. Wow. <laughs> you know Kojima's naming process? I thought that was in the bag. Heart Man and all this shit. I'm going to get most of these wrong. <laughs> Okay, Mike, the next one is Fat Man. Kojima. Correct. When in doubt, pick Kojima. <laughs> Die Hard Man. Kojima. Correct. Sniper Wolf. Mega Man. Incorrect. Heat Man. Mega Man. Correct. Launch Octopus. Mega Man. Correct. Sniper Joe. Kojima. Incorrect. Okay. Heart Man. You already said that one. Nope, I said Die Hard Man. Oh, Kojima. Yes. Death Stranding. Yeah, so like I said, I threw a few easy ones in there I, I knew you would get. Okay. Snake Man. Mega Man. Correct. Rock Thunderheart. Mega Man. Incorrect. These could go either way. <laughs> I love this. This is great. Yeah, I love this. It's good that I don't know much about Mega Man and I have a very basic knowledge of Metal Gear. Skull Man. Mega Man. Correct. Metal Man. Mega Man. Correct. Zero. Kojima. It's a trick question. They're in both games. There's a character named Zero in both. So I get a point. Yeah. I just thought it was funny to throw that in there because it's like they're in both games. Um, yeah, I'll just give you a check mark. Uh, Jetstream Sam. Mega Man. Incorrect. <laughs> That's got to be a Metal Gear Solid character. I don't think it is. I forget it. So it's not necessarily Metal Gear. I said Kojima game, so it could be. Yeah, other I know, games but he's too. made mostly like Metal Gear games. That's why I, I always default to that. Okay. Um, Napalm Man. Mega Man. Correct. I knew that one. 
cold man. Hmm. This is probably wrong, but I'm going to pick Kojima. Uh, it's the second trick question because they're they're in both. There's a co character named Cold Man in both games. All right, I, yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. That's free points. It's free points. Uh, Dead Man. Kojima. Correct. Gray Fox. Kojima. Correct. Laughing Octopus. Kojima. Correct. Firefox. Kojima. Incorrect. Uh, let's see. Commander Beef. Mega Man. Correct. Storm Owl. Kojima. Incorrect. Mm. Vulcan Raven. Kojima. Correct. Uh, let's see. Venom Snake. Kojima. Correct. Dark Mantis. Kojima. Incorrect. Clown Man. Mega Man. Correct. Gigabolt Manowar. Mega Man. Correct. There's no way Kojima would come up with that name. <laughs> I mean, it's Kojima. He definitely could. Pyro Bison. This one could go either way. I'm going to go with Mega Man. Incorrect. Yep. Yeah, I figured. Cyborg Ninja. Mega Man. Incorrect. Mmm. Alrighty. Goss Magnus. Kojima. Incorrect. I think that might be all of them. Yeah, that's all of them. How much research did you do with for this one? I mean, a, a, a decent amount. But you can see how, like, that's it's so funny because a lot of they seem like there are similar naming conventions. Maybe uh, Kojima's a huge fan of the Mega Man games. Okay, Mike, um, you did pretty good. You got twenty out of thirty-three correct. That, that's honestly it. better than I thought you would do. <laughs> Just imagine if I was a huge Mega Man fan and I played all the Metal Gear games like five times over, I would have nailed this. I imagine you would still get some wrong. So I purposely put in some that I thought would definitely screw you up. Like, there's a lot of ones where it's like a Heat Man, Metal Man, you know, because there's similar naming conventions. And then um, I knew there's there's a Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear. So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. Dark Mantis might screw him up. And there's a, there's a Gray Fox in Kojima, you know, Metal Gear, and there's a Fire Fox in Mega Man, and then all the octopuses too, like Decoy Octopus, Launch Octopus, Sniper Wolf, Sniper Joe. <laughs> There's so many similar things. Jacques, this was your best surprise mechanic. I love this one. Oh, really? Thank you. Yeah, best one. Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be a great one. I almost wish like you would have made it up so I could play it, <laughs> but uh, maybe you can come up with something like similar down the line. I don't know. I'll make a note of that. All right, Mike. Um... Yeah, I think we're all done. That's all we got. That, that was like a perfect way to finish off. I, I think both of those were great surprise mechanics. So, so you know, I got to do this hard transition. It's weird, but just bear with me if you want to tune out right uh, now. Here comes the awkward outro. All right, Jacques, let's let's do it. Come on. Go ahead. You can tune out. But I, I honestly, if you never listen to our outros, I suggest you should probably reconsider because they get kind of crazy at the end sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. 
this has been the Boundless Gamers podcast. We uh, usually post episodes on Saturdays. I don't think we've missed a Saturday yet, so... Crossing my fingers. Don't jinx me. Yep, so that means probably next week we're probably going to miss Saturday. But yeah, if you want to visit us on social media, we're at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And lastly, uh, smash that subscribe button, because we need more subscribers. <laughs> uh, only do it if you enjoyed it, though. If you don't enjoy us, then that's perfectly fine if you don't want to subscribe. You know, I totally understand. But yeah, um, anything else you want to say, Mike, before we leave? Hey, Deo, if you're listening, why? Why did you do that with Metal Gear Solid 4? Why nine hours? Why? You know, he's the only one that can get away with that. If anybody else did it, they would they would get so much shit. But Kojima, they're like, eh, it's Kojima. <laughs> eh, 20-hour cutscenes. Yeah, let's do that next. Let's <laughs> forget. He's probably like the Quentin Tarantino of video games. Like, he can just do whatever he wants and get away with it. Now, I will say, like, I'll add to that. If we're addressing Hideo Kojima, I'm going to ask him personally right now. Are you Hassan Karaman, the developer of Abandoned from Blue Box Studios? Please tell us. Write in, DM us, Hideo, if that is you. Um, let us know, because the world wants to know. Okay, so, <laughs> so I think we're done for tonight. Um, I am Jacques. I'm Mike. And we will see you later. Bye.